Kelman on CliffCentral.com. Every day I interact with the Huli Sunny Ravele because <laughs> as I leave the, the Cliff Central studio, above the door she wrote there about a year ago, I don't know how long ago it was, <laughs> always open the door to others for new opportunities. Um, but it, that kind of, that sentence is a bit of a metaphor and I don't know you massively well. Yeah. Um, but it seems like a bit of a metaphor for what your actual vibe in life just generally is, is that you really are a fan of paying it forward. I really am. I believe in you help yourself by helping others and that you often need to give that which you seek. So if you're needing a door to be open for you or you need a yes from someone, give a yes to somebody else. And it mm-hmm. doesn't need to be in big and laborious ways. You know, it can be something as small as, as helping someone drop something off somewhere that they needed help with. Do you know what I mean? But it's really just that thing of you get what you give in the simplest form. I want to zoom in on something. I've, I've got a feeling that in your friendship group, a lot of your friends turn to you for advice. <laughs> I think. I don't know. I could be wrong. Do they? Well, I think we turn to each other for advice. Okay. Um, it's, it's actually quite funny because in the last year or so, I've gone from a big group of friends to like a small intimate group of just four friends. Huh. And I must say that the three friends that I'm left with and in the circle with are those people that... We speak to each other about everything. It can Mm. be money, family, boys, but it's a safe space where you share with each other. So I don't think I'm necessarily the advice person, but I'm the honest person. I I believe that I'll tell you the way it is and try and balance it out and give you words of wisdom as far as I can. But yeah. Because advice is an interesting one. I mean, I you know... There's a saying, advice is a form of nostalgia. <laughs> and one has to be so careful in terms of who one takes advice from. Exactly. Or where you get advice from. I mean, what's your relationship with listening to other people versus just following what's in your own heart? They say that advice is what you're seeking when you already know what the answer is. Yeah. <laughs> so you're either seeking for it to be justified. So someone, you're like, okay, I'm not crazy. Someone actually supports this thing or things like I do. Or you're looking for someone to really go against you. So I think go into seeking advice with an open mind because sometimes you're going to get someone that really isn't for what you thinking you want to go for. Mm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're against you, you know, and we often enter that space with a defensive attitude and whatnot, because you've already made up your mind. Actually, when you're asking for advice, you kind of already know what it is that you want to do and how you're trying to do it. You're just trying to get external information to either support it or slow you down or steer you in a different direction. So know who you're seeking advice from and know why you're going to that person. Because again, if you're going to ask someone who doesn't necessarily have a good track record with their savings and they plan in life under general, and you're going to go and talk to them about life and what should I do next? Do you think that I should invest my money in this kind of thing? What is your investment plan looking like? And they don't have a good track record of savings. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think advice is a good thing. We don't always know everything. And my dad always used to say, clever people ask. Mm. And you just have to be willing to ask, but also ask the right people. What do you think it is that has kept people interested in you for basically like your entire <laughs> life? And uh, like a large group of people have constantly been and consistently been interested in something in you. Something about you for however many years you've been alive has mm. resonated with people. I don't know what I could say to say, Kelman. I like calling you by saying <laughs> Kelman. <laughs> it's 
maybe it's something that I attribute to authenticity and I've never tried to be anybody else but myself. So if you buy into that every day that I wake up or every project that I do, Every year that goes by, I've never felt the pressure to be anything else but myself or take on projects that are anything other than the pure DNA of what I want to be about. So I've never felt the need to be famous or drive a certain car or live in a certain house or travel to certain destinations a certain amount of times in a year. I've just shared my life as it is and as it happens, you know, whether it's death or love or travel, I guess people buy into that, you know, just a reflection of She's normal. Mm. I mean, I feel pretty normal. <laughs> but, but you know, the, the crazy thing about it is that in this day and age, it is such a difficult thing for people. Mm. At six years old, it's difficult. At 20 years old, it's difficult. At 25, it's difficult because, you know, so many of us really, if we're being honest and really being honest with ourselves, we do take the amount of likes we get on Instagram yeah. very seriously and way too much to heart. Yeah. So I just wonder what it is within you that you've maybe been conscious of and worked towards that has allowed you to be this person who is so comfortable in their own skin? Like, what have you done that people could do more of? Mm. I don't know. I think it's who you surround yourself with. Okay. That's one of the biggest things. You know, um, growing up on TV, my family never treated me different from my other cousins. I was never, oh, she's our big star from TV. You know, it was mentioned, but I would still cook for the family on the Sunday. I'd still clean the stoop. I'd still sweep when I get to Venda. I'm, you know, pulling my hands up and you're, you're busy working. And my friends were the same as well. You look for people who really don't buy into Hulisani, the TV girl, just mm. buy into Hulisani because one day I will not be on TV. And then you need to know who's still going to stick around for you. And it's a learning thing. I think the thing you have to be willing to do as well is evolve and change with it. Don't hold on to people because that's all you've ever known. And often we surround with ourselves with people who we know we should be letting go of, but because you are tied to that mm, it's comfortable. It's sentimentality and, and you're comfortable as well. You're so scared to be by yourself. I remember, I remember there was a time in varsity when most of my friends had gone to institutions outside of Joburg and I went into a group of friends and a year later I was like, no man, this doesn't feel right to me. You know, I'm not the popping champagne person and whatnot. It's not my lifestyle. And I was lonely for a while because then I had to pull myself away from those friends. But it's something you consciously do daily. It is a choice that you make for yourself every single day to be like, so today, what are we about? You know, what are we about self? And that's the only way to stay grounded. Always be honest to who you are and yourself. And there's this thing that I call keeping up with the Kumalos instead of keeping up with the Kardashians <laughs> because you often stick around with the people that you're with because you're trying to keep up and they're not mm. actually healthy for your soul, but they're healthy for your image. They make you look good. You are seen as the person who drives around with people that have these cars and whatnot, but at home, your mother doesn't even have food in the fridge. Mm. Like seriously, it makes no sense. It makes no sense, you know, and I think it's just the thing of weighing up and truly having an introspection and knowing thyself. In varsity, my whole thing was about know thyself and knowing to say no and little things like going clubbing when you should be studying. Your one friend can go clubbing and ace a test, mm. but don't compare yourself to your friend and think that you can do the same thing, you know. So throughout your entire life, I think it's just about always having constant introspection and having a higher power that you believe in also keeps you very grounded because you can turn to that. And spirituality has been something that's really saved me from a lot of trouble, I guess. Yeah, where are you at with that? Because uh, in this day and age, in 2016, mm. 
the idea of religion and of spirituality, I don't know if it's uh, meanings in society are what the meanings should actually be. Yeah. Well, I personally believe that I practice spirituality more than I do religion. Cool. Because religion feels so strict. Mm. And so you can, you can't, you either this or you're that. It's very black and white. Whereas spirituality is about connecting with a power that you know is much higher than yourself and knowing that the universe conspires for you or against you, depending on where you're at in your life, you know, and always acknowledging that some things are not within your power. You cannot do everything yourself, you know, you need to hand it over. For me, that spirituality is God. For other people, it's Buddha, it's whoever, you know, but I don't think we need to be segregating ourselves based on your God is better than my God and my God does this and he is the only God. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. that at the end of the day, I think it takes away from the essence of what it is that we're all trying to practice. And most religions say the same thing. Yeah. It's about, you know, be kind to one another. Um, don't hurt other people. Uh, do good unto others. It's all the same basis for mm. me. So I just, I tune into that. And like I said, for me, that person's God. For you, it can be a different thing. But I think you need to acknowledge that there's something higher than you. There's something more powerful than you that For the state of your own ego, than, yeah. Exactly. Because if you think you can do everything in your own strength, it's so sad because when a person who doesn't believe in anything, get into an accident or something happens and you're just like, dear God, please help me. It's like, yeah. oh, so now you know. <laughs> <laughs> so now you know. But again, it's a personal journey. Um, yeah. For me, growing up, obviously, in a religious family, going to church, I was forced to go to church and I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I used to make up excuses like, okay, I'll make Sunday lunch for everyone. That's why I can't go to church today. And it was, I think, 2012 when I really started forming a relationship with my God as an adult to be like, okay, I understand what this is about. I understand what it means. Mm. And this is what I'm going to follow. And this is how I understand he plays a role in my life. And I'm in a great space. Like if I could tell you the things that have happened to me in, in a space of a month, like it's crazy, you know, and I know that I don't do these things and get through these things on my own. And I find comfort in that. I want to pick up on a word you dropped earlier and the word is soul. And I mm. love that word. Uh, what do you think? Just difficult question. I don't, I wouldn't be able to answer this. Uh, what do you think your soul looks like? It's beautiful and clear. Hmm. It's like the ocean, you know, like the ocean with an endless beachfront that's clean. I just, I'm so sure in my life at 28 right now, I am so sure about what it is that I want. How I'm going to go about doing it. I'm so sure of my power, like internally and externally. And I just, I'm focused. I've never been so focused and so at peace. So at peace. Um, just recently my, uh, my mom's car was involved in an accident and it was happening during a time when I was trying to focus on producing my show and whatnot. But in that moment, I thought, 27-year-old me would have just panicked. Like, I would have cried and been like, oh, my gosh, why is this all happening to me during this time? But I felt an enormous sense of peace. Like, I knew what I had to do, when I had to do it. People were just trying to distract me with their own things, you know, being angry, sending me emails about other things. And I was just like, look, keep your focus on this thing, mm. and then you can deal with the other things. And my soul is not scared anymore. Like, I just... 
I have an enormous sense of peace and strength and I know what it is that I'm trying to do with my life and I found purpose. Hmm. At 28, I found purpose and I think that's why my soul's at peace. You're giving me a little bit of hope right now, but I mean, I believe in this uh, law of seven. So every mm-hmm. seven years, something, you know, there's a big change or there's a big focus. So yeah. seven years old, you start primary school, 14 high school, 21, you're maybe university finishing it off, yeah. moving out of home. And so 28. I'm at the next big seven. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, I mean, it kind of does make a little bit of sense. What, if you had a megaphone and you could tell everyone in the world something and they just had to do it, mm. what do you think you'd say? Run your own race, man. Yeah, flip. It's so hard though, dude. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I remember being in varsity and I'd just come off your TV and it's that in between phase where, you're not really getting jobs because people still see you as a child. Mm. And all these new girls started coming up, you know, and the endorsements they were getting. And I remember I was so like, I was in a funk, man. It was not a happy time. And I was just like, this should be me. It should be mine. But the moment, I don't remember what it is I heard, whether I went to church or I heard something on the radio, I switched my mind to be like, look, you serve a God of abundance. There is enough for all of us. And the moment my mind switched to that, everything else just fell into place because it's about what you tune into. So if you're tuning into envy and jealousy, do you think things are going to work out for you? The universe will give you more of what it is you're thinking about. So they'll just give you more things to be envious about and more things to be jealous about, which means more endorsements for this person and more of that. And what does that do to your spirit? Mm. You just keep comparing yourself and you're like, oh, woe is me, whatnot. But What are you doing with what you can and what you have and realizing what makes you different? That was such a turning point for me to know that we're all in this industry. And I mean, we're in a competitive industry and I think other industries are competitive too, whether you're in the banking or investors or whatnot, you know, everybody's trying to go for the same thing. But the moment you can click into what makes you different and what your fingerprint is and your authenticity, I know that nobody else can present a talk show like I can. Yeah. I know that like within myself, I'm so sure of it. And as much as everybody's getting talk shows around me, I need to stick to that and believe in that and drive that. Otherwise I would have quit. I honestly would have quit by now because I would have been like, Oh, well she got a talk show. So why should I bother? But I keep going because I know that there is something with my name written on it. And when my turn comes, there'll be somebody else who's younger than me coming up saying, Oh, but she has this show. And it'll be worth so much more to you. Exactly. Uh, what a rock star. I gotta go to two other questions <laughs> from other millennials on our list. Um, money and happiness, which is more important to you? Happiness. Okay. Why? You know, you see people that have all the money in the world, but they still commit suicide. Yeah. And you ask yourself, what is it that's missing? I do believe that money can give you options mm. that can give you happiness, but don't chase the money. Look to be happy in all that you do. Look to enjoy the work that you do and the job that you do. Otherwise, you're just living paycheck to paycheck and you're still miserable. Good answer. (laughs) Uh, Do you think that the millennial generation are workaholics? I think we do a lot. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes us workaholics, (laughs) then that's what it is. I just think that we, we, we have more options open to us and to do many things is actually not a wrong thing. And I'm going to get biblical on this because in the Bible, it talks about how as a child of God, you should have streams of revenue. Like that is your purpose. That is your will to have prosperity in many parts. 
I went to church the other day and this pastor was saying, living by a salary is witchcraft. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you're essentially controlled by one person who releases this amount of money every single month and you do not make a decision on anything unless you have reviewed what that number says and when that money is coming into your account. Mm. So, yes, we are the generation that you're a TV presenter, you have an events company, you have an Uber, and you also a scriptwriter. We're that generation because we're also able to do all of it and yeah. tap into all of it. Which and is good. It doesn't make us unfocused, you know. Does it make us workaholics? Like I said, I don't know, man. We just do a lot. We're doers and we're dreamers and we should be allowed to do that. I want to end this off with uh, one word and how it resonates with you. In mm-hmm. the climate of where we are in the world, in the conversations we're having as you know, billions of people all around the world, in South Africa as well, uh, and that word is empathy. Mm. And tell me about that word and, you know, in that vein, paying it forward and trying to, you never can, but trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes yeah. or just being a little bit more conscious of, you know, people other than yourself. Yeah. Um, this word empathy and, and you're actually going to leave it. I'm not going to say anything. You're actually going to round it off and just, <laughs> I'm going to say empathy and then go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We have to learn to be kinder to others because you don't know what struggle that person is going through. And it literally takes one switch, one word, one smile, one hello, one I really like your dress to a complete stranger to change something around for them. You don't know what your words do to another person. And to you, you might think that it's nothing. But you literally have the power to almost end someone's life and give them a stepping stone into a better space. So with empathy, I'd say, watch the words that come out of your mouth as often as you can. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's it. it. <laughs> Kelman on cliffcentral.com.